leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Duncan Dynasty. My name is Garrett Bouguet. Alongside me is Anthony Brown. And uh, this is an NBA-related podcast. And normally... Our episodes are going to be consisting of us comparing the present-day basketball to, you know, the basketball of the 80s and 90s. Uh, But, you know, certain episodes we're going to talk just about, uh, you know, the older days. We might go through an episode where we talk about a specific series that we really liked. I know one episode we're very excited about doing at some point is the 2002 Western Conference Finals oh, uh, between yeah. the Lakers and Kings. <laughs> um, we have to rewatch that before we do that Definitely. episode. Uh, but, uh, you know, other episodes we're going to focus more on the present day basketball, and that's what we're going to do here today. Um, and the main reason for that is because the NBA season starts uh, Tuesday night. Uh, we've got uh, NBA opening night with the Cavaliers and the Celtics. And then the Houston Rockets versus the Golden State Warriors. Very exciting. Uh, every time the NBA season starts, it's like uh, Christmas for me. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's really enjoyable. I watch just hours and hours of basketball for the first couple of weeks. And then I go back to my usual couple games a night. <laughs> but uh, so... For this episode, we're going to be doing like our uh, our season predictions for this year. And uh, Anthony, you're going to be kind of firing some questions at me. I'm going to be giving some detailed answers and my thoughts of what's going to be going on. Yeah. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy. But Anthony, when you're ready, uh, get us started here. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So which team do you think uh, improved the most with their offseason moves and everything? Okay, so um, this one's pretty easy. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, okay. They, uh, they added two um, star players, one even a bigger star in Paul George, who's a borderline top ten player in the league. Uh, he's a guy that at uh, 6'9 can play anywhere from the two to four spots. He's a really good shooter. Uh, he can create a little bit off the dribble. He's really good defensively. Uh, so, you know, adding a guy like that, he's – you know, obviously not as good as Kevin Durant, who left Oklahoma City last year to join the Warriors. But right. uh, to get a you know um, a poor man's version of Durant in that spot that they desperately needed a good player uh, will help their team quite a bit. And then the most recent move, adding Carmelo Anthony and trading just a couple of bench players and Enos Cantor and Doug McDermott to get him mm-hmm. uh, solidifies that starting lineup. He's going to start at the four. Uh, so you've got. 
Westbrook, George, and Anthony as a new big three in Oklahoma City. Uh, they're very dangerous. They're going <laughs> to be really good offensively. Yeah. Uh, and they've also got some pretty good defensive lineups they can throw out there as well. They added Patrick Patterson, who played for the Toronto right. Raptors last year. Uh, he was one of the Raptors' best bench players. Uh, but he's a, he's a power forward that can play a little center. Uh, but he can hit the three. He's really good defensively. He's a secretly a really good screen setter. Uh, oh. So uh, you know he yeah. does he does a bunch of the little things that help your teams win, and uh, he's going to be a nice addition as well. So they they really upgraded, adding three guys, two starters, and another key rotation guy to their uh, roster that won 47 games last year. Yeah, definitely a team to look out for in the West for sure. Um, who would you say your top five? Uh, I know you watch a lot of league pass. Yes, um, NBA league pass. Uh, who would you say your top five teams to look out for this uh, year are? Okay, so uh, most of my teams are in the Western Conference because the Western Conference has more talent than the East. It's a pretty obvious statement to make at this point. <laughs> uh, a bunch of key star players from the Eastern Conference went to the West. You know, Paul George went from the Pacers to the Thunder. Right. Carmelo went from the Knicks to the Thunder. You've got Jimmy Butler left the Bulls and now is in Minnesota. Uh, so you, Paul Millsap left the Atlanta Hawks and now is on Denver. So a ton of the star talent went from the East to the West, which has made the West even more entertaining and more stacked talent-wise. So there's going to be a couple of matchups every night in the Western Conference that are going to be really fun to watch. Uh, but, of course, you got to start with the Golden State Warriors. When you've got a team of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green, four of the top 15, 20 players in the league, they're going to be a team that every night something special could happen. You know, Steph Curry in one of their preseason games in China put up 40. Uh, you know, uh, Clay Thompson last year in a game put up 60, and he took like 10 dribbles total. <laughs> it was uh, just spot up. Just Green. absolutely yeah. crazy. Draymond Green at any moment can just completely stifle an opposing offense, you know, and of yeah. course, Kevin Durant, uh, you know, a five plus time scoring champion, he can put up crazy numbers. So they're a team on both ends of the floor that are just really fun to watch. They, they've got to be your number one. Um, they're a team that uh, is likely to win around 70 games this year. They're really special. And when yeah. you've got four guys that can, uh, you know, at any moment, I might get a text from somebody saying, check out what's going on with the Golden State <laughs> game. You know, Curry's hit four threes in a row or something crazy right. like that. Golden State has to top just about anybody's list. For sure. Uh, but number two, got to go with Houston. Uh, a lot hmm. of people complained about the Rockets' style of play last year, that it, you know, it's, it's too much about the three-point shots and free throws and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, I still thought they were really fun to watch. James Harden is an unbelievable player, top five guy in the league. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's a really excellent passer. So is Chris Paul. Uh, they've got a couple of sharpshooters and Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon who can get really hot from three. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how well and how quickly Chris Paul and James Harden mesh on the floor. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to be certainly a team that, again, puts up a ton of points, are going to be really fun to watch. And, again, have when you've got two of the top ten players in the league and Paul <laughs> and Harden, you're going to be entertaining. Yeah, for sure. The number three spot, Oklahoma City. Again, because I mentioned, you know, they're the team that improved the most in the offseason. Uh, with Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo, that's going to be really interesting to see what how oh, yeah. that all works out. 
Um, they've again, they've got some interesting defensive lineups they can go with with Paul George, and they've also got Andre Roberson, who uh, is not a very good offensive player, but he's one of the elite defensive wings. Uh, so they right. can throw two elite wings in George and Robertson against anybody. Uh, Steven Adams at center is a pretty good defensive center. I mentioned Patrick Patterson off the bench is pretty good defensively. Right, right. Uh, so they have some really interesting – Billy Donovan, the head coach of the Thunder, is going to have uh, you know a lot of tools to work with in his tool chest because <laughs> uh, he's got some really intriguing five-man defensive lineups. He's got some really intriguing five-man offensive lineups. The challenge is going to be you know what are the best lineups that get – both ends of the floor to be in that top 10 level in the NBA. Right, right. Uh, number four, I got to go. This might surprise some people, uh, but uh, I'm very excited to watch the Denver Nuggets play this season. Really? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, not sure I've heard that sentence in a long yes. time. Yes. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't think that a non-playoff team from last year would be in my top five teams to watch. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, Ever since Nikola Jokic last season entered the starting lineup, they were the best offense in the NBA. And that was, I believe, wow. he entered the starting lineup uh, in January. And through the rest of the season, they were the best offense. He's a, he's a 6'11", 7-foot center that is one of the best passing bigs in the game. They, they run the offense through him. They okay. give him the ball at the elbows, kind of like the 2002 Sacramento Kings with Chris yeah. Webber and Vladi Divox, okay. uh, where you've got some dribble handoffs, you have fake handoffs and drives, uh, guys cutting back door off of the, the postman at the elbow, yeah. and he is perfect at executing that. He knows exactly who to get the ball to, uh, and uh, he can... Uh, he's capable of posting up when he gets a mismatch. If he if he runs a dribble handoff and the players switch, he can beat up that small guy that switches onto him. And uh, if he's got a really slow guy, he can take it out. He can hit threes and he can also handle it a little bit. So Nikola Jokic, one of my favorite players to watch. He's not as athletic really at all, just <laughs> super skilled and an amazing passer. He's got a great high basketball IQ. Uh, He's running the show there in Denver. They've got a really uh, young roster with guys like Jamal Murray, who was the number seven overall pick last year from Kentucky. Uh, He's a shooting guard about 6'4", can play some point as well, uh, but I think he's going to get a lot better in year two. Uh, they've got a guy in Gary Harris that they just locked up to a long-term deal, a player for that played at Michigan State. Uh, he's uh, he's another shooting guard that's a really good three-point shooter and defensive player. Uh, they got Juan Hernan Gomez, who was uh, another first-round pick last year. So they got a lot wow. of young talent there, and yeah. they also made one of the biggest acquisitions in free agency, picking up Paul Millsap from the Atlanta Hawks, Ooh. who's one of the best power forwards in the game and who is also one of the top ten defensive players in the league. And that was Denver's big weakness was their was defense. The defense part. And okay. so if Paul Millsap can get them from, say, in defensive efficiency, if he can get them into the low 20s or even into the high teens in that category with their elite offense, they're going to be a really good team and a really, really exciting high-scoring team to watch. Okay. I never thought I would say this, but I'm excited to see the Denver Nuggets this year as well. Yes, Jokic wow. is certainly someone that uh, should be on your radar. Um, so finally, the number five, my fifth favorite team, or most team I'm most excited about seeing this year, is the Philadelphia 76ers, um, another non-playoff uh, team from last season. But yeah. uh, Joel Embiid, 
Let's start with him. Okay. He's a 7-2 center that was the number three overall pick uh, um, three seasons ago. Okay. He didn't play his first two seasons in the NBA, but last season was able to play 30 games. Hmm. And uh, during those 30 games, the 76ers, who by all measures when he was off the floor were a horrible basketball team, when he yeah. was on the floor they were a net positive. Oh, wow. That's how good this guy is. He's an elite defensive anchor. He's basically, um, if I were to say what I think of his possible ceiling, he's Akeem Olajuwon with a three-point shot. Wow. <laughs> he's another guy <laughs> like Akeem who didn't start playing basketball until he was a teenager. Okay. He's got elite size and athleticism, and uh, he's, all, he, he's come into the league very skilled already. Uh, but if he can play anywhere from 50 to 60 games this season— and they, one of the reasons he only played 32 is the Sixers have been extremely cautious with him. He's had some knee issues and mm. some back issues. They want to make sure that he's as healthy as he can be. And, you know, when you're not in a win-now mode, <laughs> you can be cautious with things like right. that. Uh, but this year, hopefully, they uh, they loosen the reins a little bit and allow him to play a little bit more. He, he was on a minutes limit as well last year. Oh, wow. Uh, but averaged close to a double-double in about 20... 24 minutes a night. Wow. So uh, about 18 and I think uh, eight or nine rebounds. So he's, huh. uh, you know, he's a special talent. When he's on the floor, they're going to be a good basketball team. Uh, but then you also have the last two number one picks uh, that will be playing for this team. Ben Simmons, who okay, right. missed all of last season because of an injury. And again, Sixers were very cautious about that, but he's been playing in the preseason. He should be out there this year. Okay. And also the number one overall pick that they traded for the Celtics in Markel Foltz, the point guard out of Washington. Uh, so you've got Foltz, who should be an electrifying scoring point guard, and then Ben Simmons, who's a 6'10", small forward slash power forward, who uh, is one of the best passers that we've seen come into the league. Wow. Uh, so you've got, uh, you know, <laughs> those three guys right there are going to be really exciting to watch. And, uh, you know, because the Eastern Conference, with all the talent moving to the West, the Eastern Conference is going to be really weak. Philadelphia has an opportunity if Embiid plays enough games that they could sneak into the playoffs this year. Right. And uh, for as young of a team as they are, that would be really exciting for Philadelphia fans. Right. Great experience for those young players as well. Um Okay, so those were the your top five. What are your bottom five? Okay, so these are the teams that I'm probably not going to spend too much time <laughs> watching. Uh, if they play in a great, you know, epic game, I might uh, flick to it every now and again. But, you know, when I see them in the, the schedule, I'm going to look at them and say, you know what, I'm going to try and find something else. Uh, and unlike my top five, which most of them were Western Conference teams, my bottom five mostly <laughs> are going to be Eastern, Eastern Conference. Conference. Actually, all Eastern. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, number one is going to go to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, now, the okay. Bulls just traded Jimmy Butler to Minnesota this offseason. He was their main draw in terms of a player that was exciting to watch. Right. They just and, bought uh, out Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, Wade, who went to Cleveland. Uh, so, you know, he was going to be their, he was their number two most exciting player to watch. Uh, they've got a bunch of young players, none of them that exciting. The package they got for Jimmy Butler I didn't think was very good. Hmm. They added Zach Levine, the dunk contest champion, right. for a couple of seasons. Uh, but he's coming off an ACL tear. Uh, so he's a guy that, uh, 
you know, on paper, he looks really impressive. He can jump through the gym. He's got that elite athleticism. Uh, but he hasn't shown any signs that he actually contributes to winning basketball. Uh, on the Minnesota team last year, they actually had a worse record when he played than after he got injured. They became a better basketball team. Uh, so that isn't a great sign, especially when he's one of your key um, <laughs> yeah. you know, parts of the package that you got in return. Yeah. Uh, they added Chris Dunn, who was the number five overall pick last year, but had a horrible rookie season showed no oh, wow. signs of having any offensive talent whatsoever. Uh, he could be a decent defensive point guard, but a defensive point guard that has no offense is essentially Eric Snow. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and the worst. <laughs> I love how that's your go-to for like horrible. Right, and you know he doesn't have he didn't have a ton of value. Um, uh, yeah. You know, and maybe I'm being a little harsh. On yeah. Eric Snow, but, uh, <laughs> I think there were a lot of players on that those he early. He played on some good teams. I right. will say that. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but but yeah, uh, so Chris Dunn doesn't look super promising either. And then uh, they also got the seventh pick in the draft, which they ended up trading their 16th pick. So it was more of a pick swap where mm. they moved up nine spots. Okay. And then they drafted Lori Markinen, a, mm. uh, a, a big man shooter from Arizona. He's a seven footer. Uh, okay. uh, he's got a really nice stroke. He can shoot the basketball, but defensively and rebounding, there are some big question marks. So those yeah. are the three things that the Bulls got for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I can't say, you know, maybe one or two of those things work out in a couple of years. Uh, but, but for this I, season. I can't imagine Chris Dunn in year two, Markinen as a rookie, and Levine coming off an ACL tear. I can't imagine any of those guys are going to be exciting to watch this year. Yeah. Uh, so the Bulls are going to be at the bottom of my list. And, uh, you know, I um, haven't really enjoyed their style of play either. Uh, they, hmm. um, uh, The coach, Fred Hoiberg, has wanted them to play a more um, three-point heavy, fast-paced offense, but it's been a struggle getting the players to actually buy into that. Yeah. Uh, so Chicago, just about on all accounts, uh, not very high on my list yeah. as far as teams to watch. Okay. Um, number two is going to be the Atlanta Hawks. Again, mm. they're uh, they're not going to be very good this year. They lost, of course, Paul Millsap to Denver, which I mentioned earlier. Right. He was easily their best player. Uh, they uh, they're not going to be a horrible disaster of a team. They're well coached. Um, you know, uh, Bud, the head coach for Atlanta, knows what he's doing. He's going to get them to play hard. Uh, they're just, they don't have anybody that excites you. You know, yeah. Dennis Schroeder is a point guard that, uh, you know, he put up decent counting stats last year, but mm -hmm. uh, he's nothing special. He's a decent athlete, but, uh, I mean, I don't think there's even a top 50 player in the NBA on this roster. Yeah. So they've got a bunch of guys that know how to play. Uh, they're going to be a team that's bad, but not really bad, uh, but they're just not going to be that fun. Yeah. To watch this season. Okay. So Bulls and Hawks are on the no list. Yes. Uh, <laughs> number three is the Orlando Magic. Uh, they're a team that uh, the identity is a little bit confusing. Like, I don't really understand where they're trying to go with this roster. They've got some intriguing pieces. Aaron Gordon is a 6'10 power forward. Uh, that's got elite athleticism. He was the guy uh, that uh, competed in that epic dunk contest against Zach Levine. Okay. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Gordon is a guy that I think uh, 
you know, has a lot of potential as a, as a power forward, but they, uh, you know, they've signed so many big guys over the last couple of seasons in free agency that they've played him a lot at the three, which doesn't suit him because he can't shoot and can't really handle the basketball. Yeah. Uh, so he's better as a power, like an energy type of power forward uh, that can run the floor, can play defense, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, and they've got a, a couple of question marks in terms of, their point guard situation has been bad for years. Alfred Payton was a top ten pick at point guard three or four seasons ago. He's, uh, you know, he's shown bursts and so, like little okay. moments a month here where he plays some pretty good basketball. At the end of last season, he was pretty effective, uh, but uh, he's he doesn't have much of a jump shot, and again, he uh, he turns the ball over a little bit too much. So they've got a bunch of question marks, and I just can't imagine they're going to be a great uh, team because it just doesn't fit. You know, they've they've got enough talent, especially in the Eastern Conference, to challenge for a playoff spot. Right. Uh, but uh, the talent just doesn't seem to fit as of right as now. A, as a team. Yes. Yeah. My team that I am just really not looking forward to watching mm-hmm. is the Indiana Pacers. Uh, the Pacers are a team that's going to be, again— because the East is weak, they might compete for a playoff spot. And you can compete for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference this year with maybe 35 wins. If you go 35 and 47, you've got a shot at the playoffs. That's oh how bad the back end of the East <laughs> has become. Wow. Uh, and I see Indiana being in that 30 to 35 win range. Uh, they've got Miles Turner, a sharpshooting center. Uh, that uh, has some pretty good athleticism that's one kind of exciting young player to watch. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the roster is uh, kind of built around just average NBA players. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not that fun to watch just a bunch of typical guys when you can you can watch teams like Golden State Golden and State Houston or... and Cleveland that yeah. have two to three like special <laughs> players that can do things that just wow you. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, that's that's my biggest thing is those uh, those bottom five teams just don't have a lot of wow potential. Yeah, and uh, they're the in in that reasoning they're going to be uh, they're going to be kind of boring. And I'm sorry, Indiana was number four on my list. So, okay, so I've only done four of the five, and finally it's going to be number five is the New York Knicks. Okay, uh, even though I like the broadcast group of Mike Breen <laughs> and Walt Frazier, they're really good. Walt <laughs> Frazier was on the '70s, uh, really good Frazier, Knicks yeah. teams. Yep, he's he's a fun commentator to listen to. And Mike Breen is, <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's one of the national guys for ESPN that does as many Knicks games as possible as well. Hmm. So they've got a good announcing crew, and they do have Kristaps Porzingis, the right. seven-three Latvian who can shoot the ball, and he's really good uh, as an athlete. Uh, so they do have that one star player that's fun to watch, uh, but everyone else around him is kind of questionable. Yeah. Uh, they drafted Frank uh, um, Tilakina in the draft, number eight overall this past uh, offseason, a guy from France that's got uh, pretty good size. He okay. should be a decent defensive player who can knock down a three. I don't see much more potential for him other than just being a really solid role player. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how excited I am to watch him play in year one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, other than Porzingis, you know, if Porzingis gets hot and people are saying, you know, ooh, he's having a great night, I'll flip over and watch the Knicks. Right. But other right. than that, uh, probably going to steer clear of yeah. New York as well. What did they get for, for Carmelo? 
Uh, um, did you say before? I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't mention it, but what they uh, acquired, uh, Enos Cantor. Okay. Uh, who is the center, the backup center for Oklahoma City? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really talented offensive uh, center. Uh, okay. He's horrendous defensively. Oh. Uh, he's a guy that can post up. He can hit an 18 footer. He can even he stepped out last year and hit some corner threes. Uh, but he, and he's a really good post up player. Yeah. So uh, so offensively and rebounding wise, he's really solid as well. Okay. But defensively, uh, you know, when Oklahoma City played Houston. Uh, last season, he was run off the floor defensively. <laughs> he just couldn't stay. Uh, you know, as soon as uh, the bet, you know, you get into a playoff scenario or against some of those upper echelon teams like the Knicks will in the regular season. Uh, you know, when you're playing Golden State, they're just going to put Cantor in a pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll. Just punish and, him for yeah, <clears> punish him for having, him out, having there. him out there. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of teams that don't have the talent to take advantage of his defensive uh, ineffi- or, uh, deficiencies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's a decent regular season player. Uh, and then they also acquired uh, Doug McDermott, uh, who is a. Uh, um, former National College Player of the Year at Creighton, six uh, eight oh, guy, right. uh, um, can really shoot the basketball. Uh, there are question marks as to if he can uh, do much more than just spotting up. Uh, right. I think he's capable a little bit of the off the bounce game and some post ups if he gets a smaller guy on him. Uh, but uh, you know, they're two guys that certainly don't match the talent of Carmelo <laughs> Anthony coming sure. back, and they also got uh, a second round pick in that trade as well. Uh, but, yeah. um, you know, those guys aren't going to significantly help New York win games. That's, that's for <laughs> Doesn't sure. Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> okay. So basically watch the West and don't watch the East unless they're playing someone from the West. That's pretty much exactly right. Um, <laughs> they're, you know, the top teams in the East are still going to be fun. You know, Cleveland, of course. Right. Um, you know, people are going to complain that I didn't have Cleveland in my top five. They would definitely be in my top ten. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, watching LeBron James is... <laughs> great thing to watch. Right. Uh, and then, you know, Boston's going to be very interesting to see how Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward play. Uh, Washington with John Wall and Bradley Beal, they're entertaining. Toronto yeah. is still going to be good with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. So I, I don't want to be too <laughs> harsh on the East. Uh, right. You know, Milwaukee with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, okay. he could be a borderline MVP candidate this season. Uh, you know, there are teams in the Eastern Conference that are going to be fun to watch, but because the, the West parts. is so much deeper, yeah. uh, there's going to be more matchups every night that are going to be like, oh, you know, Golden State versus uh, even Denver. That's going to be a really fun game to watch. Right. Whereas, you know, you watch Cleveland versus, say, Charlotte, which <laughs> might be the same seedings in the East as the, what Golden State versus Denver would be in the West. Right. That Western Conference matchup is so much more exciting for sure. than watching the Charlotte Bobcats. <laughs> for sure. Here. Oh, yeah. Wait, the Charlotte what? Hornets, excuse are you, me. Are you <laughs> saying that the the Charlotte Hornets, wouldn't it be exciting, <laughs> as exciting as, uh, wow. <laughs> yes. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay, so let's see. We were talking about this a little bit before. But uh, coming into this uh, new season, you said there were a couple of rule changes. Yes. Um, you want to talk about that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Well, I'll mention all the ones that I felt were relevant, or relevant, and then uh, I'll also say, you know, what are my couple of favorite. Okay. Uh, but uh, the f- one of the f- uh, best things is they they're trying to improve the flow of the game. 
And uh, one of the things they're eliminating is the mandatory under nine timeout, under nine minute timeout in the second and fourth quarters of games. And that's great because, you know, you'd go to a commercial after the first and third quarters, then you'd come back <laughs> to start the second and fourth, and they'd play three minutes, and then you'd have another commercial. <laughs> and uh, it just felt way too quick, you yeah. know. And uh, it's kind, it kind of felt like in the NFL where you've got the touchdown, go to, uh, go to commercial, <laughs> kickoff, kick off, go, to, go commercial. to commercial. You know, that's the worst. <laughs> and that, oh, yeah. that's kind of how it felt in, with those under nine timeouts. Uh, and they're removing those entirely. And I believe now it's an under six uh, minute timeout. So now okay. you play either a coach calls one of his timeouts before the six minute mark, or they play half the quarter before you get a break. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to improve the flow of the game quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, also coaches now, instead of having, I believe you could have three timeouts at your disposal under the two minute mark of the game. Now you can only have two. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Last year, in the last two minutes, you could have six timeouts called by the coaches. <laughs> now it's down to four. So they wanted to make it so that it wasn't like, you know, the last two minutes, it's literally you just play one possession timeout, one right. possession timeout. Now, Which would shoot. happen from time to time. <laughs> right. Uh, so now you're going to get a little bit more flow at the end of games as well, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I think eventually they should implement the um, – one that's not a, a a timeout, but where you get to advance the ball to half court. You know, that's one one of the reasons why the coaches wanted to save those timeouts to the hmm. end of the game is because when you call a timeout, you don't have to take it out from the baseline. Right. You get it at half court, which makes it easier if there's only a couple seconds. You can make a pass to the three-point line right. and get a shot off. Right. Whereas if you're at the baseline, you're trying to throw a baseball pass, <laughs> and even the likelihood of that being caught by a teammate is you know, pretty low. Right, let alone then turning around and making a shot <laughs> right. Christian Leitner style. So I would like to see potentially at the end of games, coaches maybe get still keep it at the two timeouts, but also add an advance the ball that a coach can use. Each coach mm. gets one. So it wouldn't be a stoppage of play, but the teams would just be able to move the ball into a position oh, wow. where it would be uh, more beneficial. They've uh, they've experimented that with that. A little bit in the uh, the D League, which is now the G League, um, <laughs> the uh, the Gatorade League, which is the developmental league in the NBA. Okay, so um, Gatorade owns the league, or they just got the the name? They're, of, they're the sponsors. Of you're the not allowed to now. drink Powerade at all. Like any any teammate caught with any Powerade or vitamin water immediately is kicked out of basketball. It's disappointing because I think I prefer Powerade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're the sponsor, and I guess that shows the the popularity of the D-League is, has has grown to the point where a sponsor actually wants to get involved, <laughs> which that's a positive for the NBA. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the G-League uh, last year experimented with the advance rule, and I'm hoping, uh, you know, with a, here in the next couple of years we'll see that implemented in the NBA as well. But I think that's another way to prevent there from being a stoppage, keep that exciting because it's, it's cool to see the best players with a couple of chances get an opportunity uh, to either tie or win the ball game. Totally. Um, and let's okay. see. There's uh, there's also a, a nice rule change in terms of this is not as much about game flow, but more just an actual rule uh, where 
there was an epidemic last year <laughs> of players dribbling the basketball, and then as soon as there was a bit of a hand check by the defender, they would then go up into their shooting motion and get three foul shots. And that was happening so much. And again, the casual NBA fan doesn't want to watch the teams take 100 free throws. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they want to watch... Uh, you know, a game that uh, has a good flow to it is mostly up and down. If there's a free throw here and there, that's fine. Uh, but it was getting too uh, too crazy with guys uh, getting right. three-point fouls. James Harden had over 100 <laughs> drawn last year, you know, averaging oh over like, around a one and a half of those per game. Wow. Uh, so, that's uh, insane. What they did essentially was last year when you put your hand on the uh, offensive player as he was dribbling, it was not a foul, uh, and it, it was only it only became a foul once the shooter then went into their shooting motion and you had your hand on their arm. Uh, but now they've basically said this year, as soon as you put your hand on their arm, even if it's in a dribbling situation, uh, mm. if they go into the shot. Uh, it's going to be the foul as of when he was dribbling. So it'll be a non-shooting foul. It'll be taken out of bounds. So okay. that should prevent a lot of those cheap free throws that those guys were getting and should make for a better product. I think a lot of people just were really turned off by that, kind of considered it a form of flopping. Yeah. You know, that, uh, yeah, just was not pleasant to see, and it was kind of cheating the system. Yeah, it's not a normal basketball play to rope someone else's arm into a foul. Do you think that's going to make it easier for people to drive now, though? Like that they can't put their hands on them? Or well, again, I think it's it's uh, it's not going to be a call to foul until the guy goes up into the shooting motion. Oh. So it still be it still will be advantageous for them to go in the shooting motion uh, but... because it'll draw a foul. It just will be an off the ball foul or a non shooting foul. Gotcha. So it won't be free throws, but. You know, if you're in the bonus and you do hey. that, you get two free throws as opposed to three. So, right. so uh, James you, Harden, if you're listening. You still <laughs> might see players doing it. It yeah. just won't result in as many three-shot fouls. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, one other rule change uh, that I think uh, is is pretty important is they, they moved the trade deadline up. It used to be uh, the day or two after the All-Star game was the trade deadline. Okay. Now it's moved a week ahead in front of the All-Star game. And mm. I think the reason for that was they wanted guys... Uh, there was the situation, excuse me, last year where DeMarcus Cousins was traded uh, from the Sacramento Kings to the New Orleans Pelicans, and he was told that after the All-Star game. And uh, so then he had to pack up his stuff. And it was also, you know, um, you know, you want to be the reporters want to be talking about the All-Star game at the All-Star game. They don't want to be talking about trades and all of that sort of thing. Right. And also, I think uh, the NBA wants to help the players in terms of if you get traded, you can then move your family, move your belongings and all during that, that during All-Star week uh, hmm. as opposed to. Uh, after All-Star Game, you've only got one or two days before the season starts back up again. Right. Uh, so that's that's something they changed, I think, mostly to benefit the players. Uh, but uh, you're also, I think, it's going to hinder teams from making as many trades at the deadline. Hmm. Uh, because the earlier you do it, you know, three or four games makes a big difference for a team thinking, you know, we might have a shot at the playoffs. We need to pick up another player. If you go on a three or four game winning streak, that can completely change your your mindset as to if we're going to be a buyer or a seller. 
Hmm. You know, so moving it back a week, I think, will affect that, and there will be less buyers in the market than there were before. Interesting. Wow. But yeah, I think all the rule changes, I, I don't have too many uh, issues with uh, most of the rule changes. Um, one that's not going to be implemented uh, this upcoming season, but in 2019, is they changed the NBA draft lottery format. So hmm. it used to be, uh, well, and it's going to be for this upcoming draft, the worst team gets a 25% chance at the top pick. Second worst team gets about a 20% chance. Third worst is around 17 and, you know, it keeps going down. Yeah. Uh, they changed it, and their goal was to try to decentivize tanking. Right. So now the worst team to the fifth worst team all have an equal 14% chance of getting the top pick, and that starts not in this upcoming draft, but in the 2019 draft. Oh, wow. Uh, and it also increased the odds for teams 6 through 10 pretty significantly. So now, if you're the tenth, um, if you're the tenth worst team in the NBA, you have about a ten percent chance of hopping into the top three. Uh, so wow. um, you know, I think it's going to uh, benefit a couple of those teams that are borderline playoff teams now, which could be exciting. You know, you've got a team that's a little bit closer in the process of getting to be a really good team, getting that number one pick. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but then it also, you know, the on the other side of things, those real small market teams that are really bad now have even less of a chance of getting those franchise-changing players. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, it uh, it's helpful in some ways. It, it hurts other franchises. Right, uh, yeah. You hope that it doesn't turn into where the, the teams that are, that are bad are perpetually bad. Exactly. Miss that number one That's pick. the goal of a draft that, uh, you know, goes in the reverse order of the standing is, is you're mm -hmm. hoping that the worst teams getting the best possible players then become good eventually. And, yeah, you don't have a team like Sacramento who's been bad for 15 years right. know, or 10-plus years. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't especially love that. I, think the, I didn't think there was anything really wrong with the old lottery system, but it's hmm. not something that I despised the change. Yeah. It was just a minor thing. Most of these rules I'm pretty happy with. I think they did a pretty good job. And, uh, yeah, it should it should add for a, a better entertainment product this upcoming season. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, all right, so let's see. I guess we're going on to some more predictions here. Um, so let's see. Eastern Conference playoffs. I know we were, you know, talking um, some smack about the Eastern Conference earlier, but um, – uh, obviously Cleveland and Boston are going to be there, but yeah, what are your predictions for playoffs? Okay, so, conference? and this is in order how I've got it here. Um, okay. The number one seed, I'm picking the Cleveland Cavaliers, even though they what? dropped to the two seed last year and <laughs> yeah. Boston passed them. I think, uh, I think they're going to be a little bit more motivated this season coming off losing the finals as opposed to last year where they were coming off the victory. Uh, I think the motivation is going to be a little bit higher uh, I think um, LeBron wants to prove that he, even without Kyrie, the Cavs are just as good as they were before. It's yeah. that he was the man on the Cavs. It wasn't Kyrie. <laughs> uh, so I think the Cavs are going to be motivated. I think not having Isaiah Thomas is going to be a challenge. I think he's out until January. Um, but they have enough, enough depth and talent on this roster that I think they're going to be able to manage just fine. 
Uh, and then once he comes back, if he's the Isaiah Thomas that we saw last year with Boston, yeah. I think they're going to really have a great hot run to end the season. And I think uh, I see them winning in the mid-50s this year. I certainly don't see them getting anywhere near some of those top Western Conference teams record-wise. But I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cavs win 55, 56 games this year. Yeah. And that should be good enough uh, to get the top seed. Okay. Uh, number two seed, I've got the Boston Celtics. Yeah. They won. They got the, the number one seed last year with 53 wins. Uh, they've upgraded talent-wise, that's for sure. Adding Gordon Hayward in free agency, who's uh, arguably a top 30 player in the league. He's a pretty good small forward, mm-hmm. uh, can play some shooting guard as well. He's just a really good balanced player. He can hit threes. He can drive. Uh, he can, uh, you know, he's a decent defender as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding him was a big upgrade. Of course, getting Kyrie Irving, uh, I don't think he's as big of an upgrade over Isaiah Thomas as a lot of people think he is. Right. Uh, but uh, he's certainly uh, a very good offensive talent. Uh, they, uh, the roster has changed so drastically, though, that I think it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for this team. I don't think it's just going to be smooth sailing from the beginning. Right. I think they lost about eight players from last season's oh, roster that wow. made the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, they traded Avery Bradley um, to get the cap space to get Gordon Hayward. They traded him for Marcus Morris of the Pistons, who's more of a 3-4 uh, guy, but uh, they don't have that uh, super pesky defensive player that Avery Bradley was. And he was a great match with, you know, a guy like uh, Isaiah Thomas. And he would also be a great match with Kyrie Irving because neither of those guys are great defensively. Right. So having that shooting guard that can take the best perimeter player, uh, you know, is very helpful. So losing him, I think, is going to hurt a little bit. Uh, They lost um, uh, Kelly Olenek. Uh, They lost – he was their – you know, main backup big man last year. He went to Miami. They added Aaron Baines, uh, okay. who, uh, who played for the Pistons. He's more of a backup center type. Uh, so they've really retooled this whole roster. They added Jalen or uh, Jason Tatum in the draft, the number three overall pick. Okay. He's a six eight uh, small forward, power forward from Duke. Uh, he uh, he seems to have already like an old man's like mid range post up game. He's got a nice <laughs> fadeaway jumper. Nice. Uh, but uh, there are question marks as to how well he'll fit like just as a three point shooter defender. You know, I don't think he's quite there at those two things yet, which is kind of what you need to be <laughs> when you're playing around a Gordon Hayward and a Kyrie Irving. Right. Uh, so there's going to be some learning curves. Jalen Brown, I like him. You know, he's coming into his second season. He had a pretty good rookie year. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's going to be some learning uh, or growing pains with both him and Tatum. Uh, so even though I really like Brad Stevens as a coach and I think he'll eventually get all this to work, I don't think it's going to be as smooth as many people think right yeah. off the bat. I do think they're going to win fifty, at least 50 games again, hmm. uh, but I don't think there's going to be that significant improvement upon last year like a lot of people are expecting. I do think playoff time – they're going to be a more dangerous team. Hmm. But regular season wins, I don't think they're going to see any significant improvement. There. Okay. Uh, the number three seed, I've got the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they're definitely not going to be as good as they were last year. They lost P.J. Tucker and Damari Carroll uh, okay. and Patrick Patterson. Uh, so they lost three rotation guys. Uh, they were able to re-sign Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. 
still have DeMar DeRozan, of course. Right. So I think just their top-line talent is going to keep them near the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, but they're definitely, I think, a team that's on the decline at this point. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, if things go poorly that at some point in the next couple of years that yeah. uh, they start to try to rebuild and maybe dump guys like DeRozan and Lowry and try to get some young assets oh, wow. uh, in their place. Okay. Uh, the uh, the four seed I have as the Washington Wizards. Uh, I think they're going to uh, they're going to be kind of stagnant upon last year's team. They were a really talented offense, struggled defensively. If they're going to try to make a leap, they've got to get better on that defensive end of the floor. Uh, but uh, they're still um, you know they still lack a bench. They don't have much bench talent. Uh, Markeith Morris, I think, is out uh, for a significant amount of time to start the season. He's their starting power forward. Okay. Uh, so that's going to hurt them, especially given that they don't have a lot behind him on the roster. Uh, so they might get off to a little bit of a slow start, but I, I suspect once he returns, their starting five is really good, and okay. that's going to propel them to you know having home court in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so now we've uh, I've covered my home court advantage teams in the postseason. Now mm-hmm. we're going to get to the back end of the playoffs, okay. uh, the teams that are going to start on the road. And the number five seed I have is the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's pretty much exclusively because of Giannis Antetokounmpo, right. <laughs> who's one of the top ten players in the league already, and he's getting significantly better each and every season. He's a 6'11 freak athlete, of course. The nickname is the Greek Freak. He's from Greece. And, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, but uh, his only weakness in his game at this point is his jump shot. And people were worried that, you know, he's not going to be able to take that next step and become a star player until he gets the jump shot. Well, well he's... he became a star player without adding the jump shot last season. You know, he was the first player, I believe, in NBA history to be in the top 20 in all five major categories, which would be points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. He oh, was wow. in the top 20 in every category. He's just super long-limbed. He's a great athlete. He's uh, And <laughs> the biggest thing that he's improved in the past couple of years is his strength. He came in as a 6'11", just rail-thin <laughs> kid. But now he is strong. He dunks on people. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a, a play in last season's playoffs. The Bucks lost to the Raptors in round one where uh, he backed down on Serge Ibaka, did a spin move, and he was about uh, – he was outside of that uh, circle area, you know, where yeah. you can't stand for charges and just rised up over and Ibaka? dunked it over Ibaka. Oh, wow. And it's just like, this guy is, is officially a man's man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you don't just dunk on him. <laughs> right. Uh, so he alone is going to carry this Bucks team. They've got some pretty good players around him. Uh, they've got the rookie of the year from last year, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, who uh, you know is a guy that shot 40% from three, is a 6'5 point guard. He's not much of a playmaker, but again, just being that 3 and D type guy is what a lot of teams want now. Yeah. Um, Chris Middleton at shooting guard, he's about 6'8". Uh, he can shoot the three. He can be a secondary playmaker as well. Uh, Tony Snell, they added uh, or they re-signed in the offseason. He's another 40% three-point shooter. They've also got Thon Maker, the number 10 pick from last year's draft. Uh, the Bucks have been known in the last couple of years to take risks uh, and gambles in the draft process on international prospects that are kind of unknowns. Hmm. Giannis was one of those guys because he was just this, 
basically all the video they had on Giannis was in like a YMCA setting, <laughs> you know, as this rail thin kid. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of similar with Thon Maker. He was this seven foot kid that uh, last played in high school and he was shooting threes and all of those sorts of things. But there wasn't a ton of evidence that, uh, you know, um, against the upper echelon competition. Right, right. So they took a gamble on Thon Maker, and it looks like that's going to pay off as well. He's a seven-footer that moves his feet extremely well. Uh, he can defend the pick-and-roll and handle his own on the perimeter, uh, and he can also shoot threes. So he's a guy that at the center position uh, gives your team a lot of spacing and also a lot of defensive versatility. Uh, so the Bucks are going to be a pretty good team, I think, there. Um you know, they're one of the teams, the younger teams that are on the rise in the Eastern Conference that, um, you know, are above the rest of the the crap of the bottom portion <laughs> of the East. They're actually, even though they're the fifth seed, they're legitimately yeah. they're going to be a good basketball team. Yeah. Uh, the sixth seed is going to be uh, in, and again, these are all my predictions. I, uh, I'm <laughs> making it sound like, uh, you we know. We know for sure. Yes. Um, we have a time machine. Uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, you only use it for basketball purposes. It's pr it's important that I sound confidence, you know, yeah. with, the, with this sort of thing. I know a lot of this is probably going to be wrong, but uh, um, the sixth seed I'm predicting is going to be the Miami Heat. Okay, uh, they had such a crazy season last year where they started the season eleven and thirty, and then ended the season thirty and eleven. Wow. So they finished 500, <laughs> but just couldn't be more black and white in terms of how bad they were in the first half and how good they were in the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, and wow. a big part of that was uh, Goran Dragic and Dion Waiters, the two backcourt players. Uh, those guys, they're not stars, but they're pretty good at creating. They can okay. get their own shots. They can get to the hoop. They're both decent passers. Uh, so Miami basically figured out that even though we don't have a star player, if we surround two decent playmakers with enough shooting and defense, we can be a pretty good basketball team. And they were able to pull that off the second half of the season. A big part of the reason they were able to get enough spacing, though, was because one of their young talents, Justice Winslow, mm -hmm. who was the number 10 overall pick a few seasons ago from uh, from Duke, uh he got hurt, and he's a guy that uh, he can't shoot at all. So teams just completely ignore him. Yeah. And once he let, once he got hurt, that's when they went on that third and eleven <laughs> run. Oh uh, wow! So he's healthy now. So it's going to be interesting to see how Eric Spolstra, the coach of the Heat, incorporates him back into the lineup because he does have a lot of talent. He's a really good defensive player. Yeah. Uh, he can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, he just really struggles with that shot. Right. Uh, but they did add Kelly Olenek, the center, a backup center for the Celtics. So my thought is if they bring Winslow off the bench with him, if you've got a shooting center, you can put Winslow at the small ball four, hmm. and then maybe you can have enough spacing around the fact that Winslow can't shoot and you can still you know, benefit from his defense and all those other little things that he does. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they uh, they're a pretty deep team. They've got a lot of t uh, you know B talent, B level yeah. talent. Uh, but they certainly are a team that I think are going to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Well coached, deep, a bunch of solid players. That'll get it done in the East. All right. So uh, this is where it gets very difficult because everyone else in the East is 
bad. <laughs> you know, it, it ranges from really bad to slightly below average. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. But uh, it's going to be, I believe, the three teams that are going to be competing for a playoff spot is going to be Charlotte, Philadelphia, and Detroit. Those are the three teams, I think, that are going to be 7, 8, and 9. Yeah. Uh, I've got Charlotte and Philadelphia making it over Detroit. And uh, a big reason why, I think, uh, with Charlotte, you know Kemba Walker's showing up. He right. had an amazing season last year, averaged, I believe, around 25 points a game. Um, shot extremely well from all play areas of the floor, pretty much. Uh, was really their main source of offense. I think uh, you can basically trust him to be a really solid option every night. They're well coached. They're going to be really good defensively. They also traded for Dwight Howard in the off season, uh, so oh. they've got they added to their center depth. Um, one of the things that killed them last year was when their starter Cody Zeller uh, got hurt. He was out for 20 games. Their record was three and seventeen. Oh man! So that was the re- that was the difference between them making the playoffs and missing it last year. Uh, but now with Dwight, hopefully, if either Dwight or Cody Zeller go down for any time, they've got that uh, backup player in place. Right. Uh, so I, uh, the concern, though, about Charlotte, I did have them as a lock, but then Nicholas Batum, who's their second best player. Uh, he's a small forward that can hit the three, can handle a little bit. When Kemba rested, he can basically ran the offense for him. He's going to miss the first about 20 games of the season. So uh, oh. it's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, they did add uh, Malik Monk with the uh, Malik Muck. Yeah. Uh, Malik Monk with the 11th <laughs> pick of the draft. Uh so, uh, you know, and they're hoping he's going to be a creator and that sort of thing. But it's a lot to ask a rookie right off the bat to be that secondary playmaker. Right. You know, um, a, a lot of rookies, even the talented ones, are turnover prone and inconsistent. Those are basically the two things you can almost, they're consistently inconsistent. <laughs> um, but uh, so they might struggle off the gate, uh, you know, out of the gate. But I think once Batum returns, and given how weak the East is, that if they They've have a pretty a, decent last 60 games of the year, they will win enough to get in at that seventh spot. Uh, in the eighth spot, I've got Philadelphia, again, over Detroit just narrowly. And this completely and totally depends on Joel Embiid. Yeah. If Joel Embiid plays 50-plus games, Philadelphia makes the playoffs. If he plays less than that, <laughs> they miss. Yeah. Uh, and if he plays 60, I would almost say they're a lock. That's wow. how good he He's is. That good. Wow. Yes. Um, because, again, they were an above-average team when he was on the floor last year. They've got even more talent this year with the couple of the past two number one overall picks joining them. Um, you know, the thing I mentioned about how rookies are consistently inconsistent, <laughs> uh, you know, and turnover prone, that may be the case, but the one exception to that rule is number one overall picks because right. those guys are the super, you know, upper echelon of rookies. And those guys like a LeBron James when he came into the league. Uh, Not saying that either of these guys are anywhere near LeBron James, but number one overall picks are a different breed. And they actually can, I think, contribute to winning. And uh, if those guys help out and Embiid plays enough games this season, I think Philadelphia will get in. Uh, The reason I'm a little bit down on Detroit is because – 
of the performance last season of their two best players, Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. Uh, those two guys, hmm. they invested a ton of money into both of them. Uh, and Reggie Jackson's a former Oklahoma City player, former first-round pick, that uh, when they made the playoffs two years ago and lost to the Cavs uh, in the playoffs, Reggie Jackson averaged about 20 points, six assists, had a really solid season. Drummond was, you know, energy-wise, was all over the floor. He's one of the best rebounders in the league, uh, but defensively he consistently gave effort. Uh, last year his effort was, you know, not very good. Oh, Reggie man. Jackson had a knee injury, never looked healthy all season. Um, uh, and I guess with Detroit, the question is, do you see the Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond of two seasons ago, or was last season more evident of who they are as players? Yeah. Uh, if you, if they are who they were two years ago, they very well could make the playoffs and I would probably pick them to make the playoffs, but I'm questioning those two guys' ability to regain their form. And that's why I see them just narrowly. Uh, missing out of the playoffs, but yeah, that uh, that was my long-winded answer to who are the uh, the eight playoff teams in the Eastern Conference. No, I, I like it. I like it. Um, uh, very in-depth answers. Uh, definitely uh, know that you've done your homework. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, Washington, Milwaukee, Miami, Charlotte, and uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yep. For that last spot, with possibly Detroit. Um, who do you think the, uh, for the Western Conference? Okay, so this is, uh, this is challenging in a different way because the back end of the Western Conference is so loaded that you have to figure out what good teams are going to miss out of the playoffs as opposed to in the East, <laughs> what bad teams are going to get in. Right. <laughs> so uh, to start, of course, you got to go with Golden State. Uh, they've won right. 73, 67, 73, and 67 games the last three years. Has any team ever done that? Uh, I believe it's the winningest three-year stretch in yeah. NBA history. It's uh, like even the Bulls with, you know, 72, 69, 69. But the 98 team did not do nearly as well. Right. Um, yes, I do believe they are wow. the winningest three-year team in NBA history. And, yes, if they, if they go... You know, with a crazy record and win the title again, win three titles in four years, they have to be in the discussion of greatest teams of all time. Right. Um, two and three, you know, still puts you a little bit behind the mm -hmm. likes of the the Bulls that had those two three peats, and you know, the, obviously those Celtics teams and all that. But uh, certainly, Golden State is going to be the number one seed. I think that's almost guaranteed. Uh, they can rest their players most of the season and still. <laughs> Uh, you know, Steve Kerr never plays his guys more than 34 minutes a game, and he That's also rests insane. all his stars, and they're deep enough and talented enough that they're still going to win. You know, if you rest Kevin Durant, say, against uh, the uh, Orlando Magic, you've still got three All-Stars, and they have zero. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you know, so, even, so even in the event that they rest one of their top couple of guys – they're still going to have more talent than their opponent. They're still going to be more well-coached. They're yeah. still going to probably play harder. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, you know, As long as you have Draymond Green on your team, your team's going to play harder. <laughs> uh, so Golden State, definitely the number one seed. I see them winning close to 70 this year. I think yeah. they're that good. Uh, the two seed, I've got the Houston Rockets. Okay. Uh, I have them surpassing San Antonio record-wise this season, even though San Antonio's won... 
60 plus games the last couple yeah. of years. I see San yeah. Antonio taking a little bit step of a step back um, regular season and Houston taking a step forward. Of course, adding Chris Paul, uh, such a huge part of that. Uh, having not only uh, you know one star, but two is such a big difference. Not only because when Paul and Harden are playing together, they're going to be so effective, but when one of them rests, having right. you know when James Harden takes goes to the bench, having Chris Paul running your your team uh, is still a great option. You know, you're, you're not <laughs> right. going to miss a beat with one of the that. Best point cards, uh, yeah. And vice versa, when Chris Paul rests, you've got James Harden running the team, which is what led Houston to 55 wins last year. Right. Uh, but then also adding the likes of PJ Tucker, who's a six eight small forward, can play some power forward, even some center. He's very strong. Uh, one of the best wing defenders in the league, and Luke Richard and Bob Mute, who's also one of the elite wing defenders. Both of those guys are not great offensively. Teams ignore them, uh, even though they're right. both um, percentage-wise have shot well from three, especially the corners the last couple of years. Um, you know, they're not a big threat. They can't really take the ball off the dribble too much. Um, but adding those two guys to Houston's team. Uh, they've got some really intriguing lineups because even yeah. if you throw a couple of non-offensive players out on the floor, if you've got Chris Paul and James Harden, you're still going to score. Right. Exactly. Uh, but now you've got these couple of guys that can not only make Houston an elite offense, but they've got some elite defensive lineups in there as well. Uh, so they're definitely going to be a really, really awesome team. I've even heard talk that P.J. Tucker might play some center, backup center for them. Uh, which if you play P.J. Tucker at the five, Luke Richard and Bob Mute at the four, and Trevor Ariza at the three, you've got mm. three wings that are all 6'8 plus uh, that uh, are really good at stealing the basketball, playing defense. They could throw some really scary defensive lineups yeah. with Paul and Harden still out on the floor. That's a really interesting because now I'm thinking of Golden State and you know, right. Wow. Uh, and that was one of the concerns with the Rockets last season against the best teams in the league, like the Warriors, is they start Ryan Anderson at power forward, who is terrific offensively. Shoot, yeah. He's He can stand, he spots up three feet behind the three-point line, which gives your team even that much more spacing because mm -hmm. the defenders have to be a couple steps further out to contest his shot. <laughs> um, so he's great offensively, but come playoff time, his defensive inefficiency or defense deficiencies, if I can say that, word, <laughs> uh, come, you know, come to the forefront and right. now they can just put one of those of PJ Tucker or Mba Mute in his place. Obviously they, they take a step back offensively, but, but they become so much better defensively. And those are the type of teams that win titles are those teams that can be, you know, top 10 on both ends of the floor. Right. Versatile. Uh, so Houston, I've got them winning, 60-plus games this year, I think they're going to be that good. I mean, you win 55 and add Chris Paul alone <laughs> should get you around 60. Yeah. Uh, the three seed, I've got the San Antonio Spurs. I think they had a really poor offseason for Spurs standards. They really? Didn't, uh, they basically um, retained a couple of guys, let go a couple of players. They let Jonathan Simmons go, who was a really young athletic wing that uh, played pretty well for them in the postseason. Uh, they let Dwayne Dedman go, who started most of the season at center and was a really good defensive center for him. Uh, so they got worse, I think, over the course of uh, you know the off season. Uh, but mm -hmm. with Greg Popovich, 
with the likes of Kawhi Leonard, you're going to win 50 games. It's just yeah. a matter of are they a 60, you know, <laughs> seven win team like they were a couple of years ago, or are they more in the 55 win range? I see them more in the 55 this year, which is still great. Uh, just isn't probably going to get you one of the top two seeds in a stacked Western Conference. Right. Uh, the four seed, I've got the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right, which we touched on before. Yeah. yeah, adding the talent that they did. They won 47 games last year, adding Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. I also see them in the mid-50s. I'd say 54, 55, around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be a really good team, and I think they're even going to be a better playoff team than they are a regular season team. Really? Uh, just because they've got those different lineups that they can throw out there. And right. star power is that much more important, <laughs> important come, when it come comes. postseason. Uh, so they're going to be certainly really good. And boy, oh boy, you know, talking about uh, playoff matchups, how fun would it be? Second <laughs> round, Oklahoma City, Golden State. That oh, would wow. be just fantastic. <laughs> Stars all over the floor. Yeah. Uh, it would it would be really fun. That's a talent level that you usually would only see at the very end of the playoffs. Exactly. Or, or even like a finals, you know, with that level of talent. That's crazy. Yes. And... Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk uh, about the idea of the NBA forgetting about conferences for the postseason and just making it a March Madness style bracket of one seed to the 16 seed. And that way, you know, if they did that, for instance, this year, some of these teams at the end that we'll get to momentarily that are going to miss out on the playoffs in the West would make it because they're better than the teams getting in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it would also make it so that the, you know, the best teams generally would play in the finals. Because we've seen the last couple of years, I fully believe that uh, a couple of years ago, the Golden State-Oklahoma City series was, uh, you know, the best couple of teams in the NBA. And that should have been the finals. (laughs) <laughs> um, but because they uh, the the Thunder wore down the Warriors, they were tired enough that they eventually <laughs> lost to the Cavs and also you know all those other things that took place, the green suspension and all <laughs> that. But um, it would be nice that we knew every year that the finals was going to be the best two teams playing each other as opposed to what we have now where yeah. you can throw Cleveland into the finals almost uh, you know guaranteed except for the fact that they're probably – Talent-wise, the third or fourth best team in the NBA this season. Right. Um, but That would be really cool to see. They, they will be playing um, you know, a really good opponent. Whoever the five seed in, in the West is going to be good. I see it being the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hmm. You know, They've got Carl Anthony Towns, who is one of the most talented young big men in the game. We've talked about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you add Jimmy Butler, who's a borderline top 10 player. Right. Uh, wow. And then uh, they also added Jeff Teague. Um, they traded Ricky Rubio and brought in Jeff Teague in free agency. And okay. uh, even though I think Rubio is a slightly better player, he's a better passer and defender, Teague is a better shooter, a little bit better um, you know, scorer than Rubio. Uh, so he fits a little bit more um, with a team like Minnesota where guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler are going to be drawing double teams. You want guys that can knock down shots. Rubio, that was right. his biggest weakness. Uh, so even though I think they downgraded slightly at point guard fit-wise, it was an upgrade. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they also added Taj Gibson, who is a, a big man that uh, played for Tom Thibodeau, the coach of the Timberwolves, back when he was the coach of the Bulls. That's uh, right. Chicago Bulls. 
so he likes him. He's a guy that's going to be solid. He, uh, you know, he's good defensively. He can hit a, he can hit a corner three. Uh, he can post up a little bit, um, and protect the rim a little bit as well. Uh, so they're definitely, they upgraded their talent significantly in the off season. And uh, even though I don't particularly love the fit, uh, their upper echelon talent with Butler and Towns and also Andrew Wiggins, who's really oh, who's yeah. really talented as well. The three of them uh, are going to be able to carry this team, I think, to around the 50-win mark. Okay, wow. Um, the number six seed in the West is the team I talked about that uh, surprised you and my teams <laughs> to watch for League Pass, the Denver Nuggets. I think just by pretty much guaranteeing that they're going to be a top-five offense – they're going to win in the mid to high 40s, I think. And uh, Paul Millsap upgrading their defense even a little bit should help them go from being a team that barely missed out on the playoffs to getting in there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think Denver's going to be a good basketball team. They should get in. Uh, the last couple of spots is tough because it comes down to basically two te- or four teams for those last two spots. You've got the Clippers. You've got the Utah Jazz, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Wow. <laughs> All four of those teams, I think, are going to be at or above 500. Um, but I see the Clippers and Jazz getting in and the Blazers and Grizzlies um, just missing out. And uh, hmm. I'll, uh, I'll explain why here in a sec. First, I'll explain why I think the Clippers are going to get in. I think uh, the Clippers did a really good job of, you know, they of course, they lost Chris Paul. Uh, they lost J.J. Reddick, so they lost their oh. starting backcourt. Um, but they were able to replace Paul with about th- three different guys. So they decided instead of trying to find you know a replacement and a star like Paul, we'll try to incorporate all of his skills in an amalgam huh. of guys. Okay. Uh, so the first they started when they uh, they traded Paul to the Rockets, and they got Patrick Beverly from Houston in return. And Beverly brings the defense that Paul brings. Mm-hmm. He uh, he might not be quite as good as de- uh, on defense as Paul, but it's literally I think Paul might be the best defensive point guard. Beverly's the second in the yeah. league. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he brings that. They also got Lou Williams in that trade for Chris Paul, who he's the scorer. Mm-hmm. He averaged um, last season about sixteen or seventeen points a game off the bench. Uh, he's a guy that can hit the three, he can draw fouls, get to the hoop. So he's going to bring that offensive production that Paul uh, brought. And then finally, they brought a European player named uh, Milos Teodosic, okay. who's going to bring the passing and yeah, playmaking, playmaking that Paul brought. Wow. And Teodosic might be the best passer in the entire NBA. Really? And this is his first year in the league, but he has been known in Europe as the best passer for a long time. He's terrible defensively. He's a horrendous <laughs> defensive player. Sometimes doesn't even try. Uh, but passing wise, he sees he's a special Jason Kidd level yeah. passer. He sees the that um, can be you fun know, to watch. Uh, he sees the pass that the, you know. There are some guys that are good passers, but they only know how to make one type of pass. Mm-hmm. This guy has different velocities on his passes. He knows when to zip them, when to throw a little spin on them, Ooh. when to, uh, and, you know, the timing as well. He's got it perfectly down. Uh, he's really fun to watch. You should check him out. Yeah. He is. Uh, I've seen a couple of their preseason games already, and uh, he is special with his passing. 
So the, I think the Clippers did a really good job of building, uh, you know, losing a guy like Paul is tough. But if you are able to, um, you know, have all of those facets of his game and add them back into your roster, yeah. um, you know, not saying it's going to be as valuable as having them all in one player, <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, you know you um, you you don't have as much of a drop off as you would have if you you just straight up lost his playmaking or lost his defense. Right. You know. Uh, okay. So they also added Danilo Gallinari, okay. who uh, is yeah. a player that uh, has averaged uh, in the high teens throughout his career. Uh, he's a guy that will play the three. And Blake Griffin, of course, they re-signed him at the power forward, and DeAndre Jordan at center. They've got one of the best front courts in the league. Yeah. Uh, and the thing I like about the Gallinari-Griffin pairing is that they can play bully ball in terms mm. of if they can get some switches happening. Both Gallinari and Griffin are both good at posting up smaller players and getting to the free throw line and finishing. Nice. Uh, so uh, they're going to still be, I think, a pretty decent team. They're not going to be the 50-win teams that we've seen in the past with the Paul-Griffin-Jordan combo. But I think they could be in the low to mid 40s. I see them winning about 44, 45 games this year, and that I think will be just enough. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, <laughs> to to get into the playoffs in the Western Conference. Uh, so the, yeah, the eighth seed. I've got the Utah Jazz, and this is the toughest one hmm. out of all 16 teams. The eighth yeah. spot in the West was the toughest for me to figure out, um, because the Jazz are almost guaranteed to be a top five defense. They've got Rudy Gobert, who, uh, you know, is the best rim protector in the NBA. Uh, he's uh, got a 7'9 wingspan. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> That's insane. They, um, they call him the Stifle Tower and the French Rejection are a couple of his nicknames. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he is a rim protector uh, um, extraordinaire. And uh, he, you know, he allows the whole Utah Jazz team to just funnel the ball into him and opponents just shoot horrible percentages anytime he's around them. Wow. Uh, but then they've also got Derek Favors at power forward is also a really good defensive big man. Uh, they've got Ricky Rubio, who they traded for um, from Minnesota. He's really good at the point of attack defensively. He's 6'4". He's pretty strong, got good hands. Yeah. Uh, they've got good size across their defense, pretty good basketball IQ players. Joe Ingles is an underrated player, the guy that comes off their bench. Uh, they've just got defensive talent all over the floor and a perfect defensive scheme around one of the top two or three defensive players in the league. Yeah. So they're going to be dominant defensively. The question is, can they score at all? <laughs> <laughs> if they can score at all, then that means... Okay. Right. So wow. here's the struggle for their offense. For one, they lost Gordon Hayward to the Boston Celtics. The best free agent, you know, um, their best player last season. Guy that averaged 22 points per game. So you lose that off your team, you're obviously losing a big part of your scoring punch. Uh, but you've also now um, replaced George Hill, who was their point guard last season, who was a really good shooter, with yeah. Ricky Rubio, who can't shoot. Yeah. Uh, so you've got a center in Rudy Gobert, who's a rim runner, can't shoot. Derek Favors, who can shoot a mid-ranger, but is limited to about a 17-footer is his range. And then you've got a point guard in Rubio that can't shoot. So yes. right off the bat, <laughs> just with those three guys, the spacing is going to be tough. 
you don't have a star offensive player to go to. Um, the question is, can Derek Favors get back to his level of a couple of years ago? He, he has averaged as much as 18 points a game. He's a guy that can post up, hit the mid-range shot. He's a good offensive player when healthy, but he really struggled with his health last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he's back and healthy and can give, him that, give them that scoring punch, that'll be huge. I have confidence that he can do so. Um, they've also got enough playmaking uh, in the wing positions. They've got a guy in Rodney Hood who is capable of making plays. Uh, Joe Ingles is a pretty good passer. Joe Johnson they have off their bench uh, that is, you know, ISO Joe. He's a guy that can yeah. get you some buckets. So I think they have enough uh, enough playmaking to squeak by and be maybe the 24th <laughs> best offense. You know, still but not bad enough, you know, it kills them. Right. I think if you're... You know, say they're the number one defense and the twenty fourth offense. That's good enough to be over five hundred. Right. Uh, so I, that's what I believe. I and they're also deep enough that one injury isn't going to kill them. I think the only injury that really hurts Utah is Rudy Gobert going down. But if he yeah. stays healthy, they can survive just about any injury. They've got depth across the roster. They've also got a rookie, uh, Donovan Mitchell, who was the thirteenth overall pick out of Louisville who was the most impressive player I saw in summer league. Oh, wow. He, uh, his defensive instincts were off the charts. You know, he would play in a two-on-one fast break where he was the one defender. He would, you know, fake at the ball handler and then stick his hand out and oh, steal the pass. Yeah. Uh, he reads the game extremely well on the defensive end, and he also seems like he's com- confident and and willing to take the three-point shots. Yeah. You know, it's not only a matter of just being able to hit them, but a lot of guys are too hesitant, mm-hmm. and they pass up open shots. Uh, you know, half the battle is just being willing to take it, you know. You miss 100% of the shots you don't you take. Don't Isn't take. that one of the qu- <laughs> right. big quotes of yeah. comparing basketball to life, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think Mitchell is going to be a big boost for them. He's one of those rookies I think will actually contribute to winning. Nice. Um, so I think Utah will have just enough to get in. Uh, and a couple of teams I have missing out, I'll explain why I don't think uh, Portland and Memphis are going to get in. Portland, my biggest concern with them is not their top three players. They've got Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. Those guys are, aside from what Golden State has and maybe what Washington has, uh, the best scoring backcourt in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, Lillard and McCollum can really score the basketball. And they also have Yusuf Nurkic at center, who is perfect to play off of them. He's a, a giant human being who <laughs> can roll down the rim and slam it down. He really forces the defense to co- either co- commit to him uh, to give other guys open shots. My biggest concern is those open shots and who's taking them. Uh. <laughs> they've got uh, they've got um, Al Farouk Aminu, who's a below average three point shooter. Maurice Harkless, who I would say is an average three point shooter. Evan Turner, below average three point shooter. Off the bench, they don't have really any good shooters, uh, especially at the wing positions. Uh, so. Uh, I question how good these role pl- if the role players are good enough to prop up the star players, you know, yeah. because the defenses in the NBA they're going to try to take your star players away and make the lesser guys beat you, and I don't think they're capable. The biggest uh, thing that happened this off season that hurts Portland's chances is 
they had to trade Alan Crabb, who Alan Crabb was the sixth man, came off the bench, played the most minutes of any Portland player last season, shot 40% from three. And he was the perfect player to play with both Lillard and McCollum because he gave both of those guys space. Yeah. And uh, he could also run off screens uh, and catch the ball and shoot. So he was the perfect option to kind of take attention away from the star players. But they had to trade him because they were over the salary cap and they were going to have to pay a bunch of luxury tax. So they traded him away and didn't replace him at all. They, they don't have anybody that can fulfill his role this upcoming season. And even though Alan Crabb as a player isn't anything special, the fact that he's an elite shooter and teams definitely have to respect him, you know, he's got gravity, as they call it, where that's mm. about how, how much <laughs> attention a player will, um, you know, how much attention the defense gives a player that's just standing off the ball. Uh, he's got a ton of gravity on the floor. And they replaced it with the guys that will have zero gravity. <laughs> um, and Portland is is not a good defensive team either. So they've made the playoffs the last couple of years being an elite, elite offense. And I think even though they'll be an above-average offense, I think they'll drop from something like 7th to 12th. And oh, wow. if you're the 12th best, off, best offense and you have the 25th best defense, you're probably going to miss the playoffs. Right. Um, so, uh, that's why I don't think Portland's getting in. I think the crab thing is a lot bigger of a loss than most people are expecting. Uh, and also, you know, those top three guys, if any one of those go down, one of them go down for any period of time, that's going to kill them. Right. Uh, whereas I, like I said, with Utah, I think they can survive an injury here and there and still be okay. Uh, Memphis, a uh, similar, um, thing with Portland in terms of, their top players being good, but the rest of the roster being a little questionable. Yeah. Um, Mike Connolly and Marc Gasol are excellent. Right. Those two guys, if those guys play the whole season, Memphis will be a 500 basketball team. Like, even with below average players around them, those guys are that good. Yeah. Uh, but um, if either of those go, guys go down for any period of time, they're going to be you know, really struggling to score the basketball, to be a good defensive team. They lost um, Zach Randolph uh, and Tony Allen, uh, a couple of guys that have been mainstays on that Memphis team for quite a long time. Those guys kind of, uh, um, you know, were a big part of the grit and grind era that Memphis has (laughs) been, you know, the team that really plays bully basketball. They they play low-scoring games. They um, really get into you defensively. I don't think this Memphis group without Tony Allen is going to be quite as good defensively. And offensively, they're so reliant on Conley and Gasol that if he that uh, and both of those guys have had injury histories. So I'm banking nice. on both of those guys to miss at least ten plus games. And in those twenty games <laughs> total that those two miss, they're going to be pretty bad, and they're going to be have to be that much better over the the rest of the season to make up for that stretch. So I see them narrowly missing. But again, I think Portland and Memphis are both going to be 500 to maybe even a game or two above 500. They just, because the West is so stacked, they'll still miss out. So we got the West, we got the East. Um, Who do you think is going to win MVP? So... I fully believe in the in the concept of 
the MVP is generally a guy that carries a team on his back to one of the best records in the NBA without a lot of help. Okay. Uh, and hmm. that's been evidenced over the last couple of years. Um, you know, with Russell Westbrook winning it last year, uh, you know, carrying the Thunder to 47 wins in the sixth seed uh, without another all-star. You know, okay. when LeBron won the MVPs in Cleveland, no all-star carrying that team. Yeah. Derrick Rose in Chicago, when he won the MVP, it was all about, you know, um, right. not a lot of a lot of other offensive talent on that roster. Right. He carried their offense. Most valuable to that team's yes. success. When Kevin Durant won MVP, it was because Westbrook missed most of the season, so he was carrying the Thunder. Right. Uh, so... There's been, you know, a few exceptions where, you know, Curry won because the Warriors were just so dominant and he was clearly the best player. Right. Uh, but now with Kevin Durant and Curry, you know, it's a question mark as to who's the best player. Right. In Houston with Harden and Chris Paul, same thing. Uh, you've got those guys kind of taking away huh. from each other a little bit. Okay. Uh, whereas, so my top two candidates this season is LeBron and Kawhi Leonard. Okay. Uh, because I think with... LeBron, the narrative of Kyrie's gone. LeBron is the man now for sure. Not that he, anyone really questioned that before. Right, right. But uh, especially offensively, he is the the guy running the running the ship. Right. And uh, with Kawhi Leonard, he's pretty much the lone all star, aside from Lamarcus Aldridge, who has kind of tailed off the last couple of years, but still a borderline all star. But uh, you know, both of those guys are playing on teams, at least until, um, you know, Cleveland gets Isaiah Thomas back. Both of right. those guys are playing on teams with less talent than the likes of Houston and Golden State. Yeah. Uh, so I see LeBron winning it this year with Kawhi a close second. Again, I think the reasoning for that is I think Cleveland's going to have a little bit better year this year record-wise okay. just because of the motivation factor. Um, you know, coming off a season where they didn't win the title, um, you know, there's no post-championship celebration malaise <laughs> this time around. Uh, whereas um, Kawhi Leonard, I think the Spurs are a slightly worse basketball t- this this year basketball team this year, so I think their record's going to drop a little bit. If their records are pretty similar, I see it going in LeBron's favor. If okay. the Spurs still somehow pull off 60 wins again, then you I see. think I think I see Kawhi winning it. But um, I'm gonna go with LeBron with Kawhi close second. Okay. Let's see, defensive player of the year. Okay, I've got Rudy Gobert winning it this time. Uh, he okay. uh, of course is the center for the Utah Jazz, who was one of the better um, you know defensive teams in the NBA last year. And given that Gordon Hayward's gone, it's going to be that much more crucial that their defense gets them into the playoffs. Yeah. And since I already predicted Utah is getting in, and of course, because I predicted it, it's going to happen. Right. <laughs> um, right. Uh, I see Rudy Gobert getting a lot of accolades for being the leader and the best player on that Utah team, getting yeah. them in there. Uh, I, I really do think uh, that he is a special talent, special rim protector, uh, and yeah. he's going to be above and beyond the biggest reason why Utah is special on that end of the floor. All right, all right. Um, Sixth man of the year. Okay, so the safe bet would be going with Eric Gordon, who won the title last year with Houston, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's going to have a similar role where he's just jacking a bunch of threes. He's going to put up a lot of points. Um, So 
obviously he could win it again. He's still, um, you know, if he's healthy again and plays just as well as he did last year, he's probably the prohibitive favorite. Uh, but I'm going to go with a little bit of a sleeper candidate here hmm. in Norman Powell for the Toronto Raptors. Okay. So Powell, I believe this is he's entering his uh, um, third season in the NBA now. Just signed an extension on his contract, four years, $42 million. So got paid this offseason. He's got some financial security. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have to stress about that. Um <laughs> But uh, last year averaged about 8.5 points per game, um, got about 18 minutes a night. His rookie year, only about 12 minutes. Last season in the playoffs really showed out and played well, was one of the key reasons why they were able to beat Milwaukee in advance before losing to Cleveland. Uh, So I see him getting a a substantial role this season. I think he's going to play anywhere from 24 to 28 minutes a night for this Raptors team. And uh, because they've lost a little bit of their uh, their rotation guys from this offseason and Patrick Patterson, Carroll, and uh, P.J. Tucker, there's a lot more minutes to consume. I think he's going to, if he can be in that 15-point range and the Raptors have another pretty good season, I could see him uh, pulling it out. So he's my pick uh, for a four-sixth man. All right. Um, let's see. Who's going to win the most improved player? Okay, so uh, this one is probably the toughest one to figure out. Uh, (laughs) Because not only has most improved been guys that just got a much more substantial role. You know, a couple of years ago, C.J. McCollum won because he went from playing six minutes a game to 30, you know, and of course, you know, with a guy that's talented, if you get that much bigger of a role, you're going to put up a lot more counting stats. Right. That's exactly what he did. And obviously McCollum's a great player as well. Um, But then there's also the guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo who won it last year Mm -hmm. where he's already great, or he's, I guess I should say he's already really good and he becomes great. He goes from 18 points a game to 24 and, you know, a couple of blocks, or I mean, one block to two blocks and, you know, improving all of his stats pretty drastically uh, in a situation where you already thought, well, he's really good. How much better can he actually be? Oh, it's a lot. Right. <laughs> um, so there are a couple of different types of players that have won this award in the past. That's why it's kind of challenging to figure that out. And it's also challenging to get in the coach's head and say, okay, are you going to give this player a much more substantial role? Yeah. Um, but the guy I'm picking, uh, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray. Uh and he's a guy that averaged around 10 points a game last year for the Denver Nuggets, was a rookie, mm-hmm. uh, shot about 34% from three, even though that was considered one of his strengths coming out of college. People thought he could really shoot the ball. And his his shot looks good. You know, yeah. I think it's just a matter of it didn't go in at the rate. He's probably a little bit unlucky. Uh, yeah. I think if he... Um, and going from rookie to second year, I think Denver's biggest weak point is their point guard position. I think he's going to get... Um, the best chance to get cracks, uh, get the first crack at that spot. I think he's going to hold the fort down, and he doesn't have to be the playmaker at the point guard position because they've got Jokic at center who who runs the offense really for him. So if he can just spot up, make threes, make a couple of plays, he's a decent pick and roll player as well. Um, 
if he gets some more minutes, makes a little bit more of those threes, I could see him going from anywhere from 10 points to maybe 17 or 18 a game, which would put him right in that category yeah. for being most improved. Right, right. Um, let's see. Coach of the year. Predictions. Okay. This is another tough one. I'm going to go with Brad Stevens. And I'm not even going to think say he's going to win because they're going to put up a crazy year where they win a ton of more games. But I think most of the league really respects Brad Stevens. And given how the roster turnover that I talked about earlier, where they've got like eight new guys and they <laughs> sent out uh, you know, half the team from a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals, even though they've got a lot of talent, that's still going to take some good coaching to get all of that to mix together. And, uh, again, if they're going to be in the 50 to 55 win range, one of the top two seeds in the Eastern Conference, I could see him getting some love for that coach of the year. Rookie of the year. So I don't really like uh, the rookies that were drafted in this most recent draft as far as putting up crazy numbers. I think Markel Fultz, I really love his potential. He was the number one overall pick, you know, for the Philadelphia 76ers. I think he's going to be a really good player. Lonzo Ball, the second pick for the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be, um, you know, <laughs> maybe not a great scorer, but a really good leader, assist guy, um, you know, uh, as soon as year one. Uh, yeah. But definitely in a couple of years. Guys like Jason Tatum for Boston, I think, is going to get plenty of opportunity, uh, but he's not going to be, um, you know, one of the top even three options on that team. So how many counting stats can he realistically put up? Right. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like um, Josh Jackson. He was the number four overall pick to Phoenix. Uh, I think he's pretty raw offensively. So you've got a lot of those top-tier guys that were drafted in this most recent draft. I don't see them putting up great numbers in year one, even though I like a lot of their potential. Uh, I see the rookie of the year being Ben Simmons for Philadelphia, uh, the number one overall pick in last year's draft. He missed all of last season, so he's technically still a rookie. Uh, and even though he didn't get any NBA experience on the court last year, I think just being with the team you know, learning how players prepare, traveling, you know, and getting adjusted to all of those things that uh, take place during an NBA season, that makes you that much more comfortable going into year two. And uh, I think he's a guy that uh, uh, he's an excellent passer. He's he's going to, at 6'10", going to play the three or the four. So he's going to put up assists. He's going to put up rebounds. Points-wise, maybe not a ton, but if he gets in the 10 to 12 range with, you know, even if he does 12 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, those those kinds of total numbers are good enough, I think, to get you pretty good consideration for being Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and put you ahead of some of the, the newer guys coming in. Right. Um, let's see. Um, so... Who's the biggest threat to the Cavs um, on their way to, um, again, going to the finals? You know, pretty much every year it feels like the Cavs almost just walk through the regular season with unchallenged. And yes, then, and the playoffs and as well. And the playoffs, yes. Yeah. Uh, of course, last year they, were, they beat the Celtics in five. The mm -hmm. year before that they beat the Raptors in six, even though it, 
the four games they won by a combined total of over 100 points. <laughs> you know, so even a six-game series, it wasn't as close as that. Right. Uh, and the year prior, they swept the Atlanta Hawks. So, mm-hmm. um, they, yeah, it's true. They have not been challenged at all since LeBron's been back in Cleveland. Uh, and I think this year the Celtics are in a better position to challenge the Cavs. Okay. Again, Kyrie Irving, even though I don't think he's a huge upgrade over Isaiah Thomas, come playoff time, Kyrie Irving is a special offensive player when it comes to isolation scoring. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's <laughs> a lot of what it comes down to in the playoffs. Uh, you know, defenses lock in. They take away your first couple of mo- sets. And it comes down to the last five seconds and guys that can make plays. And Irving is special at that, you know. And uh, having him is going to be a big help. They also, you know, adding Gordon Hayward, adding a 6'9 shooting guard, small forward player that, you know, is a above average at just about everything in the game yeah. is a huge benefit. Um and they've added a lot of size. You know, I mentioned they traded Avery Bradley, which I think hurts their defense slightly. But they traded him for Marcus Morris, who's 6'8". Uh, they drafted Jason Tatum, who's 6'8". Uh, so they added Aaron Baines, a backup center, who's about a 7-footer. So they're a lot bigger this year. And they've got a lot of guys, I think, that, uh, that can post up. Um, Horford can post up. Marcus Morris can post up. Uh, Jalen Brown has shown that he can post up smaller players. Jason Tatum, as a rookie, shows one of the most polished post-up games Mm -hmm. that I've seen, even out to like 15 feet from the basket. Uh, And then Marcus Smart, who's going to replace a lot of the Avery Bradley minutes for them, is a big shooting guard that can post up smaller players. Uh, so they've got some. They've got a very unique team. There, I think Danny Ainge's strategy as the general manager is to try and build a more modern team that has just a bunch of positionless players that can guard from two through four yeah. and can on offense can hit shots and can post up. And it really is a smart strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're a year or two away from fully realizing that. And also they still need some development from their young couple of players. Um, but I do think they're going to be a more of a challenge this year to the Cavs. And a lot of that also depends on Isaiah Thomas's health for Cleveland. If Isaiah Thomas is healthy come playoff time and is his, you know, as good as he was last year, I think they beat the Celtics in five or six. Yeah. If Isaiah Thomas is either out and or severely limited, it's a seven-game series and potentially the Celtics could win. Um, That's how important, I think, having that second really good offensive player other than LeBron, you know, uh, and Kevin Love. I guess a third third option as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Isaiah Thomas's health is going to kind of come into it. And I guess I should say if Isaiah doesn't play at all, the Cavs could still win. But I would honestly say they would be slight underdogs in that series. Hmm. Uh, but if both teams are relatively healthy, Celtics are the biggest threat. But I think the Cavs would advance. Um, what about in the West with the, the incredibly stacked Warriors team? So, yeah, um, it was funny, and I was reading the most recent low post, and he does the tiers or whatever, and the first tier was the Warriors, 
And then the next couple teams, the tier was called Hoping for an Ankle Sprain. (laughs) (laughs) And that's honestly how I feel about this, is if the Warriors are healthy, there's no threat to them. Right. Uh, If they've got their full lineup at their disposal, all playing at 100%, no one's beating them. But let's say Kevin Durant goes down or Steph Curry goes down. Um, then one of those teams in the West are good enough to beat them. Hmm. And uh, my team that I think would pose the greatest threat would be the Houston Rockets. And, uh, you know, you've got in a, a backcourt in Chris Paul and James Harden that even against an elite Warriors defense, those guys are so good at not only scoring themselves – but creating for others yeah. that they could score a lot of points on that Warriors D. And as I mentioned, with their offseason, adding the likes of P.J. Tucker and Luke Richard and Bob Mute, they now have some defensive lineups that they could throw out there that could check, could make the Warriors work really hard on the offensive end of the floor. The challenge is... Uh, with, and, you know, everybody, every team's challenge against Golden State is putting two-way teams that are good on both ends. Because that's what's crazy about Golden State. Curry, Thompson, I guess I won't even mention Curry. Thompson, Durant, Draymond Green. All three of those guys are elite two-way players. You know, and you look at a guy like Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston off the bench. Both of those guys are really good at contributing on both ends of the floor. Steph Curry, you know, even though he gets taken advantage of because of his height, still is like an above-average defensive point guard. Yeah. You know, so they have so many guys that are two-way players that they throw, every lineup they throw out there is good on both ends. And that's the challenge. You know, if Houston throws out um, Luke Richard and Bamute and P.J. Tucker in a lineup, their offense suffers. If they don't have either of those guys out there, their defense suffers. Uh, so they definitely would need a little bit of help on the injury front to challenge. But if Golden State didn't have a Kevin Durant, it might not be impo- as crucial for Houston to be able to, ha- to, to have Tucker and Mbamute on the floor. They could throw more offensive lineups out there and try to outscore them. Uh, which would be possible if Durant isn't out there or Curry isn't out there. Right. Um, so, yeah, the answer is Houston. I think Oklahoma City is a close second uh, okay. because, again, they've got the star power and they've got certain lineups that on each end of the floor scares you. Uh, it's just a question of can they do it on both ends. Right. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. For the NBA Finals um, – I mean, do you think it is for sure that it's going to be Cleveland and the Warriors? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, yeah. Barring any, um, you know, any injuries. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, number four, the fourth <laughs> consecutive finals between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. And again, assuming both teams are healthy, I've got the Golden State Warriors winning their second consecutive title and their third title in four years and defeating the Cleveland Cavaliers. And here's a, a little thing for you. In LeBron's final season as a Cleveland Cavalier. Whoa. There's a little prediction for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to leave the Cavs again. And I have no idea who he's joining, 
But I think uh, I think this is his last season as a Cleveland Cavalier. Oh my gosh, a second decision. Yes. And except this time he can leave a little more confidently because they have won a title. It, yeah. Uh, you know that's what he promised when he was first signed there. Um, and I, I think uh, he he sees the writing on the wall that this is an old roster, uh, and the Cavs have already when they traded Kyrie Irving. They were that trade. They were trying to get some future assets, which is how they got the Brooklyn Nets pick. Okay. And if they hold on to that Brooklyn Nets pick, I think that's a pretty good sign to everyone around uh, in the basketball world that they think LeBron's going, so they're going to try to rebuild with that pick. Um, wow. If they trade that pick for some for some player that helps this team, maybe that would be a sign that LeBron's staying. For sure. Well, uh, thank you for uh, for throwing the questions at me. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, our NBA uh, season preview. It should be very exciting and very fun to watch, filled with a lot of drama and a lot of talent. The league is uh, um, extremely talented, one of the best uh, um, uh, eras, I would say, in terms of talent in the NBA since even the early 90s. Uh, so it should be exciting to watch. Hope you all enjoy, and thanks for listening. This has been Duncan Dynasty. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.